Chapter Twenty Four of the Inevitable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Inevitable by Louis Capurus. Translated by Alexander Texiera de Matos the inevitable chapter twenty four duco was silent and nervous at table he played with his bread and his fingers trembled she felt that he had something on his mind what is it she asked kindly cornelie he said excitedly i want to speak to you what about you're not behaving properly in what respect with the prince You've seen through him, and yet, yet you go on putting up with him. Yet you're always meeting him. Let me finish, he said, looking around him. There was no one in the restaurant save two Italians, sitting at the far table, and they could speak without being overheard. Let me finish, he repeated, when she tried to interrupt him. Let me say what I have to say. You, of course, are free to act as you please, but I am your friend, and I want to advise you. What you are doing is not right. The prince is a cad, a low, common cad. How can you accept presents from him and invitations? Why did you compel me to come yesterday? The dinner was one long torture to me. You know how fond I am of you. Why shouldn't I confess it? you know how high i hold you i can't bear to see you lowering yourself with him let me speak lowering i say he is not worthy to tie your shoestrings and you play with him you jest with him you flirt let me speak you flirt with him what can he be to you a coxcomb like that what part can he play in your life let him marry miss hope what do you care about either of them? What do inferior people matter to you, Cornelie? I despise them, and so do you. I know you do. Then why do you cross their lives? Let them live in the vanity of their titles and money. What is it all to you? I don't understand you. Oh, I know you're not to be understood. All the woman part of you. And I love everything that I see of you. I love you in everything. It doesn't matter whether I understand you, but I do feel that this isn't right. I ask you not to see the prince any more. Have nothing more to do with him. Cut him. That dinner last night was a torture to me. My poor boy, she said gently, filling his glass from their fiasco. But why? 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 Because you're lowering yourself. I do not stand so high. No, let me speak now. I do not stand high, because I have a few modern ideas and a few others which are broader-minded than those of most women. Apart from that, I am an ordinary woman. When a man is cheerful and witty, it amuses me. No, Duco, I am speaking now. I don't consider the prince a cad. I may think him a coxcomb but I think him cheerful and witty. You know that I, too, am very fond of you, but you are neither cheerful nor witty. 
now don't get angry you are much more than that i'm not even comparing il nostro giglio with you i won't say anything more about you or you will become conceited but cheerful and witty you are not and my poor nature sometimes feels a need for these qualities what have i in my life nothing but you you alone i am very glad to possess your friendship very happy in having met you but why may i not sometimes be cheerful really there is a little light-heartedness in me a little frivolity even am i bound to fight against it duco am i wicked he smiled sadly there was a moist light in his eyes and he did not answer i can fight if necessary she resumed but is this a thing to fight against is it a passing bubble nothing more i forget it the next minute i forget the prince the next minute and you i do not forget he was looking at her radiantly do you understand that do you understand that i don't flirt and fence with you shake hands and stop being angry she gave him her hand across the table and he pressed her fingers cornelie he said softly yes i feel that you are loyal cornelie will you be my wife she looked straight in front of her and drooped her head a little and stared before her earnestly they were no longer eating the two italians stood up bowed and went away they were alone the waiter set some fruit before them and withdrew they both sat silent for a moment then she spoke in a gentle voice and her whole being displayed so tender a melancholy that he could have burst into sobs and worshipped her where she sat i knew of course that you would ask me that some day it was in the nature of things a great friendship like ours was bound to lead to that question but it can't be dearest duco it can't be my dear dear boy i have my own ideas but it's not that i am against marriage but it's not that in some cases a woman is unfaithful to all her ideas in a single second then what is it she stared wide-eyed and passed her hand over her forehead as though she did not see clearly then she continued it is this that i am afraid of marriage i have been through it i know what it means i see my husband before me now i see that habit that groove before me in which the subtler individual characteristics are effaced that is what marriage is a habit a groove and i tell you candidly i think marriage loathsome i think passion beautiful but marriage is not passion passion can be noble and superhuman but marriage is a human institution based upon petty human morality and calculation and i have become frightened of those prudent moral ties i promised myself and i believe that i shall keep my promise never to marry again my whole nature has become unfitted for it i am no longer the hague girl going to parties and dinners and looking out for a husband together with her parents my love for him was passion 
and in my marriage he wanted to restrict that passion to a groove and a custom then i rebelled i'd rather not talk about it passion lasts too short a time to fill a married life mutual esteem to follow etc one needn't marry for that i can feel esteem just as well without being married of course there is the question of the children there are many difficulties i can't think it all out now i merely feel now very seriously and calmly that i am not fit to marry and that i never will marry again i should not make you happy don't be sad duco i am fond of you i love you and perhaps had i met you at the right moment had i met you before in my hague life you would certainly have stood too high for me i could not have grown fond of you now i can understand you respect you and look up to you i tell you this quite simply that i love you and look up to you look up to you in spite of all your gentleness as i've never looked up to my husband however much he has made his manly privilege prevail and you are to believe that very firmly and with great certainty and you must believe that i am true i am coquettish only with giulio he looked at her through his silent tears he stood up called the waiter paid the bill absent-mindedly while everything swam and flashed before his eyes they went out of the door and she hailed a carriage and told the man to drive to the villa doria pamphilii she remembered that the gardens were open they drove there in silence steeped in their thoughts of the future that was opening tremulously before them sometimes he heaved a deep breath and quivered over his body once she fervently squeezed his hand at the gate of the villa they alighted and walked up to the majestic avenues rome lay in the depths below and they suddenly saw st peter's but they did not speak and she suddenly sat down on an ancient bench and began to weep softly and feebly he put his arm round her and comforted her she dried her tears smiled and embraced him and returned his kiss twilight fell and they went back he gave the address of his studio she accompanied him and she gave herself to him in all her truthful sincerity and with a love so violent and so great that she thought she would swoon in his arms end of chapter 24